You are listening to a message from the Living Word community in Center City, Philadelphia. We are followers of Jesus Christ, called to love God and love people, to share Jesus and help people experience true life change that can only come from knowing Him. We hope that you enjoy this message today. see a good-looking man coming up carrying a Bible in his hand or something like a Bible. Good morning. How's everyone doing? Excellent. Dave said he's doing wonderful. And well, by God's grace, by Ted. Good stuff. I uh, hope everyone else is doing well. I'm up here. I got my scarf on, trying to keep my throat warm. Had my tea, which one thing I realized, um, I was talking to my mom this week, and uh, I realized over the past month I've been drinking a lot of tea and things like that, and I realized that I hate tea. <laughs> tea is awful. Awful, awful, awful. Cause, see, I don't put anything in my tea. I just, I just drink the tea plain, no sugar or anything like that, and no honey or anything. Yeah, it's terrible. But today, she, well, today the first day, I, I, she told me that she puts uh, some apple cider vinegar in her tea, and, and it tastes a little bit, you know. I tried that today, and it tastes a little bit better. But, yeah, tea is it's not my thing. It's not my thing. So I hope everyone's doing well. Um, been reading through the, uh, the Book of Kings. And we're in Second Kings, uh, started this week. We started in Second Kings, and, and I hope everyone's keeping up. I know some people aren't, but that's okay. That's all right. I'm not going to, you know, hold that against you. I might, though, but uh, <laughs> no. But uh, Okay, so but for the next few minutes, I want to talk about, you know, something that, um, and I'm going to go out on a limb and say that it's something that everyone in this room and on Zoom, hi, Zoom people, uh, has experienced before. Something that we've all experienced before. And it, it may be even more so since, like, you know, the coronavirus is, it continues to dominate the global conversation um, and, and things like that. And in, in John 10.10, Jesus said, The thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Have come that they may have life, and they may have it to the full. Or in some, some of your uh, translations, it might say, more abundantly, right? And listen, you know, I'm convinced that we're going to talk about, what we're going to talk about today, you know, is one of our enemy's primary weapons to steal, kill, and destroy, you know, us, you know, in our have-it-to-the-full life. You know, he steals it from us, steals it from you, uh, steals it from me, you know, steals everybody, you know? So my question to you today is, have you ever been afraid? Yes. Have you ever been afraid? You know, are you afraid right now? You know, fear is a powerful emotion. It's a powerful emotion, and it, and it, and, and it can grab us, you know, and, and grip us with immobilizing terror or dread. You know, and there was this guy, like, a few years ago, I would say over 100 years ago, right? He was a professional thief, right? This guy was a professional thief. His name stirred fear in, in, as, you know, 
all over the over, all over the country, really. You know, but especially in the West. You know, he terrorized the Wells Fargo stage line for like 13 years. You know, roaring in like a tornado and and out of, out of the Sierra Nevadas and and spooking the most rugged um, the the most rugged frontiermen at that time. You know, in journals from San Francisco to New York, you know, his name became synonymous with uh, the, the dangers of the frontier, right? And during his reign of terror between 1875 and 1883, 1883 right, he, he was credited with, you know, stealing the bags and breath away from 29 different stagecoach crews, right? So over, over this time, he stole, like, he robbed 29 stagecoaches. Uh, like Wells Fargo stagecoaches, right? So that's money, right? So just to let you guys know, I mean, for, for people who don't know, you know, Wells Fargo, just like the bank now, was a stagecoach, and they were a bank back then, too, and they did whatever. So, you know, and he did it all without firing a shot. He did it all without firing a shot. You see, his weapon and his reputation, his, you know, was his, his weapon was his, it was his, was his uh, reputation, and his ammunition was intimidation. It was intimidation. You know, a hood hit his face. No victim ever saw him. You know, no artist ever sketched his features. They couldn't, they didn't know what he looked like. You know, no sheriff could track his trail. Like, he never fired a shot or took a hostage. You know, he didn't have to. You know, his presence was enough to paralyze people for him to come and, you know, and rob the stagecoach. You know, his name was Black Bart. Black Bart, he was a, you know, he was a hooded bandit armed with a deadly weapon. Armed with a deadly weapon. And Black, Mar Black Bart reminds me of another thief that has been around for a while, you know, and who's still on the move today. And he was, he was found in 2 Kings, right? So that's what we're going to read from today. We're going to read from 2 Kings uh, uh, chapter 6. But not there yet. It's like, like you know him. But like Bart, Black Bart, you've never seen his face. You've never seen his face. You know, you can't describe his voice or sketch his profile. You know, but when he's near, you know it in a heartbeat. If you've ever been sick in a hospital, you know, or, you know, you, you felt his hand touch yours. You know, if you've ever, you know, sent someone, you know, following you, you, you felt this cold breath on your neck. If you ever had something or, or had to do something or, or say something that involved, you know, confronting someone, right? Anyone done that? You know, you lay awake all night, you know, the night before, and, you know, he's the one that stole your sleep. You know him. He was a thief who left uh, your palms sweaty for when you went to a job interview. He was a con man who convinced you to swap your integrity for popularity. He was, he was the guy who, 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 got, who got you to say and do nothing rather than deal with a problem. To keep your mouth shut when you should have, when you should have spoken up. It was the, the creep who, who whispered in your ear, no one really cares about you. He said nobody really cares about you when you felt you needed to reach out to someone for support. He's a black part of the soul. You know, he doesn't want your money. You know, he doesn't want your valuables. You know, he won't go after your car. Uh, what he wants is your peace of mind. 
What he's after is your joy. His name, and you probably guessed it, is fear. Fear, right? Fear wants to steal your joy. You know, take, take, take your courage and leave you trembling and, you know, naked and cold, right? His way of working is to manipulate uh, you with mystery, taunt you with the unknown, like fear of death, fear of failure, fear, fear of defeat, fear of rejection, you know, fear of being alone, fear of God, fear of, uh, of living, right? His, his arsenal is big. It's a huge arsenal. And what is his goal? To create cowardly, joyless souls. You know, fear doesn't want you to make the journey to the mountain, the journey up the mountain, right? Fear figures that, you know, if he can shake you just enough, you know, that, that, that you will take your eyes off of, of, of lofty peaks. You'll settle for a, a dull, drab, godless existence in the, in the flatlands, in the valley. Today, I want to encourage you. You know, I, I've, I've talked to people, and they say, oh, yeah, whenever you preach, you know, you, you, know, you get on me, and you hit me hard, and all this other stuff. But today, I want to encourage you. So I hope that doesn't happen today, or maybe it will. I don't know. But we'll see. But I want to encourage you today. You know, I want to encourage you uh, with the words, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Which is a phrase that, that occurs 88 times in the Bible. Yeah, 88 times, probably more. But it is, it's mostly spoken by God to his people. It's mostly spoken to God by, to his people. And when these words are spoken by God, we can trust him. We can trust him. So don't be afraid. You know, today we're going to read one of my favorite stories of the, from the Old Testament. And, uh, and this, you know, in 2 Kings verse, in chapter 6. And, you know, and I asked earlier, you know, have you been afraid? Have you ever been afraid? So what, what are some of the things that people are most afraid about? Failure? What else? Death? Anyone else? Poverty? What was that? Change? Yeah, very true, very true. Now, there are literally hundreds of fears out there, right? And they, they, they are sometimes called phobias, which comes from a Greek word, you know, that means terror or fear, right? Now, try to, try to figure out what the, these phobias are, right? So there's acrophobia, the heights, fear of heights. Arachnophobia, everybody knows that one, right? Spiders, right? You said Spider-Man? That was just said? <laughs> what? <laughs> right? What? Uh, yeah, fear of spiders, right? You know, arithmophobia. Fear of numbers, yes, yes. Hydrophobia. Water, yep. Uh, ophidophobia. Ophidophobia? Ophido? 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 Whatever. It's the fear of snakes, right? You know, nyctophobia. Fear of the dark. Very good. You're smart. You're smart, Ted. No. <laughs> Androphobia. Ah, see? The fear of men. The fear of men. No, andro. Andro. Yeah, and gynophobia. Fear of women. Very good. Cholrophobia. 
fear clowns, right? Some people are fear, afraid of clowns, you know? Ephidophobia, ephedophobia. It's the fear of teenagers. I never knew that that was a thing. The fear of teenagers, you know? Pogophobia, the fear of beards. People are afraid of beards, which is kind of weird, you know? And if you have a teenager, clean aromophobia. <laughs> afraid of cleaning their room, right? And I, I know someone who uh, has pineapplephobia. They're afraid of pineapples. And, like, and I saw this picture and I was like, wow, you know what? If I saw a pineapple that looked like that, I would be like, yeah, I'd probably be afraid of that pineapple too, you know? But anyway, so, so turn me to, to 2 Kings 6, right? Beginning in verse 8. You know, when you, today's, that's today's reading. And when you read 2 Kings, it's, it's weird. Like, it's like the first part of it is like, the 2 Kings 6, the first part is like um, about the floating, um, floating axe head. It was like kind of weird, like, you know. But we're going to go past that, you know, starting in verse 8. You know, you have a fear of axe heads? Okay, that says axetophobia. Right. And uh, so the event we're going to talk about takes place during the time when the nation of Israel is divided into two kingdoms. You know, Israel is in the north and in Judah in the south. And before we begin our story, you know, let me introduce you to a few characters that are that are that are in it. Right. So there's Elijah, Elisha. Right. He's a powerful prophet of God. And, and he was a student and successor of Elijah. Right? Remember Mount Carmel, the 450 prophets of Baal, that guy? You know, Elisha, but Elisha did some pretty awesome miracles himself. You know, he healed the sick. He multiplied food. He even raised the dead, right? And then there's Joram. Joram is the king of the north, the son of Ahab, who Dave talked about a little bit about last week. You know, um, and then there's, uh, you know, you know, with Elisha being a student of Elijah and Joram being the son of Ahab, you know, and Jezebel, I, I think it's pretty, pretty safe to say that, you know, these guys didn't really get along too, too well. You know, they didn't have many barbecues together, no, 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 nothing like that. But Ben-Hadad, then, and then there's like, you know, Ben-Hadad, he's the king of the Arameans, you know, a nation that, that's fighting against and harassing the northern kingdom. And Elisha's, there's Elisha's new servant, you know, and student, you know, Elisha's last servant, you know, <laughs> he, uh, he was fired, right? He was, you know, and he was given leprosy for taking kickbacks from the king, from uh, uh, the Aramean general, right? I don't know if you guys have read that, but that's, that's what happened a little bit before, right? So he, this guy got fired. His last servant got fired. So he has a new servant, right? And so... That, that sets the stage, that gives you the character, the people that are, that are involved in this, right? And so, so let's, let's open with to uh, verse 8, right? It says, now the king of Aram was at war with Israel. After conferring with his officers, he said, I will set up my camp, my camp in such and such a place. The man of God sent word to the king of Israel, beware of passing that place because the Arameans are going down there. So the king of Israel checked on the place indicated by the Son of Man. Time and again, Elisha warned the king so that, he was, so that he was on his guard in such places. 
the, the enraged, this enraged the king of Aram. He summoned his officers and demanded them, tell me which one of us is on the side of the king of Israel? None of us, my lord, the king, said one of his officers. But Elisha, the prophet who is in Israel, tells the king of Israel uh, the very words you speak in your bedroom. Go find out where he is, the king ordered, so I can send men and capture him. The report came back. He is in Dothan. Then he sent horses and chariots and, and a strong force there. They, were, they, um, they went by night and surrounded the city. And when the servant of the, of the man of God got up and went out early the next morning, an army of, of, with horses and chariots had surrounded the city. Oh no, my Lord, what shall we do? The servant asked. No, don't be afraid, the prophet answered. Those who are with us is more than, than, than those who are with them. And Elisha prayed, open his eyes, Lord, so that he may see. Then the Lord opened his servant's eyes, and he looked and saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. As the enemy came down toward him, Elisha prayed uh, to the Lord, strike his army with blindness. So he struck them with blindness, as Elijah had asked. Elisha told him, this is not the road, and, and this is not the city. Follow me, and I will lead you to the man you're looking for. And he led them to Samaria. After they entered the city, Elisha said, The Lord, open, open the eyes of these men so they can see. Then the Lord opened their eyes, and they looked, and there they were inside Samaria. When the king of Israel saw them, he asked Elijah, Shall I kill them, my father? Shall I kill them? No, do not kill them, he answered. Would you kill those who, have, who, have captured, who you have captured with your own sword or bow? Set food and water before them so that they may uh, eat and drink and then go back to their master. So he prepared a great feast for them. And after they had finished eating and drinking, he sent them away and they returned their, to their master. So, they, so the bands of Aram stopped uh, raiding Israel's territory. It's a very interesting story. You know, in the story, Ben-Hadad is, is hunting, right? He's after King, Jor after King Joram. And he wants them pretty, pretty bad. He wants them bad. You know, but Ben-Hadad kept running into problems, right? He would gather his men together and map out a strategy. But every time he, get, every time, uh, he would set up an ambush, Joram would always uh, avoid that area. He was really, you know, he was really starting to, you know, tick him off, right? Tick, tick Ben-Hadad off because, you know, he would never be able to, he was never able to capture him. Now, what was happening, unknown to Ben-Hadad, was that Elisha the prophet was warning the king of Israel about the ambush and going, and, and going to take, that was going to take place. And how did he know? God told him the word of the Lord, you know? The word of the Lord is powerful. And even though Joram was not a good king, he wasn't a good king, you know, he and Elisha were not buddy-buddy. You know, Elisha still revealed to him the message that God had given him. You know, remember last week, you know, Dave talked about the power of the word of God. You know, and after, and, and whenever Elisha would, would warn the king, the king would first send out scouts, you know, to make sure the information was true, right? You see, you know, he didn't exactly trust Elisha either. But every time the king, you know, checked out the, the place, you know, it indicated by, by Elisha, he found Elisha's words to be true. 
right? It was, it was always true. And he, he therefore, you know, he was, he was always on guard. And he was always on guard in those areas. You know, and Ben-Hadad's ambush attempts, you know, always failed. Well, it didn't take too long, right, before Ben-Hadad was done. He was just done with it. And he, and he was pretty sure that he had, he had to have a, a leak somewhere on his staff. You know, had to be an inside job, right? One of his officers, you know, had to be guilty. Had to be guilty of treason. He was sure of it. There was no way that Joram could be that lucky. Couldn't be that, he couldn't have been that lucky. And so he calls his men to his chambers, and, and with, with glowing eyes, like eyes of fire, just upset, and a fiery voice, he demanded, you know, I want to know right now, you know, which one of you guys are, are on the side of the king of Israel? Who's guilty of treason? Who is it? You know, all the men probably looked at each other, and they're like, you know, afraid to speak. And finally, one broke the silence and said, none of us, my lord, the king, you know, is not us. You know, it's the prophet Elijah who, who's in Israel. He knows the words the king speaks in his chambers. He knows all the words that he says, that you, that you say, and, and tells them to the king of Israel. It's like, it's not us. It's that guy, Elisha. Now, whenever, you know, whenever his... It, 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 Whenever, whenever this officer, however this officer knew, you know, uh, for certain, he didn't know, I don't know if he knew if it was true or not for sure, you know, or just made a lucky guess, you know, you know, in a difficult time, you know, you know, we don't know. But, but what we do know is this, you know, that the Arameans were well aware of Elisha's power. You know, they had witnessed it firsthand, right, when the general uh, of the Armenian, Ar 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 Aramean army, you know, the guy Naaman, you know, was healed by, by Elisha of leprosy. He was healed by the Lord through Elijah of leprosy. So they knew, they knew about Elisha. They knew the power that, you know, of God. You know, they knew all this. You know, and, uh, you know this, but this explanation seemed to satisfy the king, the enraged king, you know, the Ben-Hadad, it satisfied him. He replied, go find out where he is so I can capture him. He was like, go get him. I want to capture him. And it wasn't long before the report came back. He said, Elijah was in Dothan. Dothan? 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 All right. You know, it's a small village about 12 uh, miles north of Samaria. You know, the capital in Samaria was the capital city of the northern kingdom. Right? So Ben-Hadad, wanting to make sure Elisha didn't slip away, dispatched a strong force of men, you know, under the cover of darkness, which is when, the e when evil tends to work, under the cover of darkness, right? And before the sun rose, the entire city of Dothan, Dothan was surrounded. So what do you think is going to happen? Let's find out, right? Earlier that morning, Elijah's servant, you know, he'd just been on the job for, you know, a short while. You know, he just came, you know, the other guy got fired. He just got a, you know, got a new servant. He was on the, on the job for a short time. You know, he woke up and got his coffee, you know, got his coffee cup in his hand. He's wiping the sleep out of his eyes. He goes out early. He sees the, the early edition of the Dothan Daily News, right? You know, he, he picks that up. He, because, like, you know, he wanted to see the, the, the score of the game because the Eagles were, the Dolphin Eagles were on, like, a 10-game winning streak, you know, that kind of thing. And so he, he, he's out there. He bends over to pick up the paper, 
you know, and his eyes caught sight of an army of horses and chariots surrounding them. They were everywhere. And the, and the servant dropped his cup and ran to meet Elijah, who, was also, who also just stepped outside. And with a voice of desperation, he goes, Oh, my Lord, what shall we do? And the prophet, with a bold calmness, you know, said to his trembling servant, who was gripped with fear, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Then the prophet of God lifted his hands to the Lord and prayed, O oh Lord, open his eyes so he may see. Open his eyes so he can see. And the Lord did open up the servant's eyes. And when the servant looked up this time, in addition to the Aramean army, you know, he saw the hills filled with horses and chariots of fire, an army of God that had come to protect Elisha and him. Can you imagine that scene? You know, can you imagine the servant's reaction, right? You know, have you ever felt like Elisha's servant? One morning you wake up and went outside and found that the city was surrounded. That enemy had come in the, in, in the night and now you are trapped. You're trapped, afraid, and don't know what to do. Have you ever felt like that? I, I mean, I have. You know, sometimes the enemy that surrounds us is a health problem. You know, of, you, uh, uh, of yours or, or one of your loved ones. Sometimes it's a financial problem or a relationship problem. You know, other times it's, it, it's a fear of rejection or failure. You know, fear can be anything, you know. But whoever or whatever it is, the bottom line is fear has gripped you. And you're paralyzed, trembling, unable to move, and your joy is gone. I remember one time, um, uh, my first time I ever flew. The first time I ever flew somewhere, and, and uh, we were going to South Carolina. I was, had to be, what, 12, maybe, something like that. And the whole time we were going to the airport, I'm like, I want to sit next to the window. 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 That was me, you know. And so get on the plane. I'm sitting next to the window, and uh, the plane takes off. Everything's fine, you know. But then the plane makes that turn that it, you know, when you're on a plane, it makes that turn. And I was on the side that the plane turned on. And all of a sudden, I was like, I don't want to sit next to the window. I don't want to sit next to the window. I don't want to sit next to the window. <laughs> I was like, there's no way. No, I don't want to do this anymore. No, 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 no. So after the plane, you know, leveled out, I switched seats with, you know, somebody. I sat next to this little girl. I don't know why I remember this, but I sat next to this little girl and it was, it had a great time. She was younger than I was, and she was, like, telling me all these, you know, all this stuff about the clouds and stuff like that. I was, like, I was, I was good. I was good after that. But, yeah, no, I'm, like, that was, uh, yeah, anyway. It was, I was, but I was, like, paralyzed. I was, like, really did not want to sit next to the window. That was, like, no, 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 no. But, anyway, you know, but, you know, like I said, you know, the, the fear has, fear grips us, right? And we're paralyzed and trembling and unable to move. And our joy, the joy that we have is gone. So what do you do when problems surround you? You know, there's, and there seems to be no way of escape, nowhere to turn. 
you know, you need what Elijah's servant needed, right? You need your eyes open. We need our eyes open, you know, to see the horses and chariots of the Almighty God, an army of fire sent to protect you, to protect us, you know, a mighty force that, that, that is already with you. Amen? But how do we open our eyes? We need to pray. You know, pray that God will help us see through the problems, through our problems, see through our trials, see through our difficulties, and see him. We need to see him. You know, that's exactly what James is talking about in the first chapter of his letter. You know, we've been reading James, we've been doing, going through James on Wednesday nights. You know, and it, and it says in, in chapter 1, uh, verse 2, it says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of, of, of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. Do problems in life toss you around? No, do they, do they blow you here and there? Are you unstable when the flood waters of this life, you know, begin to, to, to rise? Do you find it hard to, to consider difficult times as, as a reason for rejoicing? You know, if you answer yes to, to any of those questions, it tells me two things about you. One, you are normal, and two, you're honest. You're normal and honest. We're we're all, there are many times that we're just unstable in the midst of difficulty. We're all like that. But God wants his people to know that, that we don't have to be afraid. We don't have to be afraid. So what's the answer? How can we, how can we keep our, our boat stable in the raging waters of life? You know, James says, brothers and sisters, you know, if you want to see, if you want to see trials as a cause of rejoicing, you need wisdom. You need wisdom to stable your ship. Ask God. You need, to, you need to pray believing, and God will give you the wisdom to stand under the trials and to consider your the difficult situations as joy. And if you ever find yourself in a situation that seems too strong, too strong to pray, uh, to pray yourself, like, like you can't just break through on your own. You know, have you ever been there? You know, do what Elijah's servant did. You know, to, to go to a brother and sis- or sister who is standing firm, who's already standing firm. A brother who's, or a sister whose eyes already see God, whose eyes, whose eyes have been opened, and ask them to pray for and with you. That's what we need to do. And our God will open our eyes. He'll open our eyes. And let me tell you what happens when God opens your eyes. When he opens our eyes, we'll see the, na- the true nature of the battle. We see the true nature of the battle. Now, Elijah's servant thought the battle was two against a thousand. Two against a thousand armed men. Just him and Elisha. You know, at, against all those men, all those swords, all those, those horses, all those chariots. But he was wrong, right? He was wrong, wasn't he? 
It wasn't just him and Elisha. No, it was him, Elisha, and the armies of the Almighty God against the forces of the enemy. That's who it was. And any time we're, we're, we're standing with the Lord, we are the majority. We're the majority. See, when, when, when we, like, like, like Elisha's servant, open our eyes, we will see the true nature of the conflict. When, we fear, when fear grips us, you know, and steals our joy, it immobilizes us. When we feel outgunned and, and outnumbered, right? You know, if we only would pray, Lord, open our eyes, we will see, we will see the, the struggle um, is, is, you know, the struggle is not, you know, what we see here, but is as Paul says, right? You know, it's, it's not against flesh and blood, you know, but against principalities and powers who are at work in the world to hurt, to destroy, to grip us with fear, to grip us with fear. When our eyes are opened, we will, we will see the nature of the battle. And we will see, you know, that we are not alone. It's not us against them, but rather God in us. Right? It's God, really, because he does it all. And when we open our eyes, we'll also experience the presence of God. We'll experience the presence of God. And when we open our eyes, we see the Lord, and we're reminded you know, that, that he's there as he promised. You know, he said, as surely as I'm with you, you know, he, he, surely I'm with you even until the end of the age. That's what Jesus said. He's with us. He's with us. There's something about being in the presence of someone who's stronger than we are, right? That soothes our hearts and calms our fears, right? You know, like a child's, uh, a child's fear after a terrible dream. You know, child had, your child has a dream. They come into your room. They go into a parent's room, and the fear is gone because they're with someone that's bigger and stronger than they are. You know, the, you know a boy, you know, confidently walks by the bullies who just beat him up because his big brother is with him, right? You know, the wife who's had a terrible day, you know, when the whole world seems to be against her and, and rests in the arms, and she goes home and rests in the arms of her husband. You know, the shepherd boy, with, a, with, with a, just a sling and, and, and a stone and, and faces a 10-foot giant who has an entire nation, you know, shaking in their boots or sandals or whatever they wore back then. I don't know. You know, he had them shaking, you know, because he knows the Almighty God is with him. He knows he is with him. You know, remember I said that, you know, the early, earlier, don't be afraid appears 88 times in, in the Bible. You know, mostly spoken by God and Jesus, you know, that, and that's significant. And it's, it's also significant to note that, you know, the, 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 that nearly every time, you know, after saying, don't be afraid, God then reassured uh, the people of his presence. He reassured them of his presence. You know, when Isaac was afraid, you know, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am the Lord of your father Abraham. Do not be afraid. I am with you. I am with you. When the prophet Jeremiah was afraid of the king of Babylon, God said to him, don't be afraid of him, for I am with you. In his farewell speech to, uh, to, to, the, to the Israelites, Moses told uh, the people as they were about to enter the promised land, don't be afraid because the Lord your God 
goes with you. He's with us. And when we open our eyes, we will experience God's presence. We will experience his presence. And when we feel his touch and we hear his voice, you know, when we, we, when we know he's there, you know, he is. He is there. You know, like the child, like the, the little brother, like, like the, the wife, like, like, like the shepherd boy. We will find our fears quickly calm, you know, as we rest in the presence of our Lord, as we rest in his presence. You know, the one who is stronger than we are. He's stronger than us, you know. When we open our eyes, we see the nature of the struggle and experience the presence of the Lord. And we're reminded of, his pa- of God's past victories. My wife and I were talking about this last night. You know, reminded of his past victories. You know, when we have our eyes shut during hard times, right, we find it difficult to see the many victories God has already brought us through. He's brought us through a lot already. But when we have our eyes shut, we can't see those victories. You know, in Exodus uh, 14, Moses is talking about, sorry, I needed that. In Exodus 14, uh, Moses is talking about the uh, talking to the people as they were standing between the Red Sea and the armies of Egypt, and fear is just gripping them, gripping them. You know, it's gripping them to the core. And he says, "Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Stand firm, and you will see the deliverance the Lord uh, will bring you today." The Egyptians you see today, will ne- you will never see again, right? The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. And in Deuteronomy 7, you know, when he's about to enter, they're about to enter promised land, just like I like was just sharing with you earlier. You know, it says, starting in Deuteronomy 7, 17, it says, you may, you may say to yourselves, these nations are stronger than we are. How can we drive them out? But do not be afraid of them. Remember well what the Lord your God did to Pharaoh and to all Egypt. You saw with your own eyes the, the great trials, the signs, the wonders, the mighty hand and outstretched arm which will, uh, with which the Lord your God brought you out. The Lord your God will do the same to all the peoples you now fear. He'll bring you through. Moses says, he tells the people, remember well. Remember well. So put on the old DVD or, the, you know, some, some of you, you know, the home videos or in old, on a VHS tape, right? Or look up your uploads, you know. Look at all the Lord has done for you. Look at everything he's done for you. I delivered you from a, a, a 400-year bondage and swept the, the mighty Egyptians, uh, uh, Egyptian nation away. As, as easy as a person sweeps the floor. That's what God did. That's what God was saying. That's what Moses, God was saying to the Israelites. You know, I brought a mighty empire to their knees for you. I did that for you. And we need to remember well what God has done in our past. We need to replay the recording of our life and see all that he has done. Look how through Christ, he brought the prince of his world to his knees.
Listen, you know, if we don't remember the past, then the difficulties come, when the difficulties come, we'll say, you know, this problem is too big for me. This is too big for me. I can never make it. I can't make it through this. It's just too much. How can I drive these problems out? We can't drive them out, right? Israel couldn't. You can't. I can't. But God can. God can. And he has. And I can't tell you how many times God has come to my rescue. I can't tell you. And I don't know how many more times God's going to bring me through this storm before I, you know, I fully, immediately, without having to go through any fear at all, you know, trust him. You know? How many times is he going to have to bring me through again, you know, for me to immediately trust him in the midst of whatever's going on? I don't know. With no fear at all? I don't know. The good news is that we don't have to go through the storms of this, of this life alone. We don't have to go through them alone. God wants to go with us. And as a matter of fact, you know, God the Son died so that he can go through the storms with us. So he can go through them with us. You know? And it's his power that will deliver us. Like it says, if God is for us, then who can be against us? Against us? No one, no situation, no situation. You know, Elisha told his servant, don't be afraid, because those who are with us is greater than those who are with them. God is greater than our enemies. He's greater than our enemies. You know, we see King Hezekiah saying essentially the same thing over 100 years later. You know, when he tells the commanders of his armies not to be afraid of the Assyrians, you know, who were approaching Jerusalem. You know, it says, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid for di or discouraged because the king of Assyria and the vast army with him, for, or in the vast army with him, for there is a greater power with us than with him. You know, in John, 700 years later, says just, just pretty much the same thing. He says in 1 John 4.4, uh, 4, he says, you know, greater is he that's in you than he that is in the world. Greater is he that is in you than he who is in the world. Do you believe it's true? It is true. It's true. It is true. We have Jesus who, who we do not need to fear. Uh, it, when we have Jesus, we don't need to fear those who, who surround the city. We don't have to fear those who surround the city. We can rest in God's power and be victorious. Does that mean that, you know, with God... We will defeat every trial, and we will, you know, and we will overcome like, every problem. Yeah, yeah, it does. Well, stay with me, right? Because you're like, oh wait, oh, what about this? What about that? You know, you know, that is. We need to understand the true nature of the struggle. We need to understand the true nature of the struggle, and what fear in our enemy is really after. They're after our souls, and our relationship with the Lord. Well, Jesus said in Luke 12, 4, 4, to 7, 4, to, 4, to 5, 4 and 5, he says, you know, I tell you, my friends, do not be afraid of those who kill the body and after that can do no more. But I will show you whom you should fear. Fear him who after your body has been killed has the authority to throw you into hell. 
That's what Jesus said. People don't like to talk about hell, you know, but these are Jesus' words. Don't fear this, people. You know, fear God. If we fear God, we don't have to fear anything else in this world. Nothing else. We don't have to fear the people, the things or, that can only hurt us in this life. No one can take us away, take, take away who we are in Christ. No one can do that. No one can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. Nobody. And no one can keep us from, from, from spending eternity with it in his glorious presence. Are you afraid? What are you afraid of? God wants his people to know that, you know, he wants, you to, he, he wants us to know, he wants you to know, he wants me to know that we do not need to be afraid as long as he is with us. And he is with us as long as we are with him. And in case you're wondering, Right? What happened, to, what happened with Elisha, you know, in, in, in Black Bart, right? I'll tell you. I'll tell you what happened. When the Armenian, when Aramean army came toward Elisha, you know, the, 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 the army that struck fear into Elisha's servant, the Lord struck them with blindness. He closed their eyes. He confused their vision, basically. And Elisha, you know, you know went and met them and said, I'll lead you to the guy you're looking for. He's, he's a tricky guy, Elisha. You know, he's a tricky guy. You know, he said, I'll, I'll, I'll lead you to, you know, that guy, the person you're looking for. You know, and Elisha led them, led them straight to the city of Samaria. He led them straight to the king of Israel. You know, and when they were there, the, he asked, the, Elisha asked the Lord to restore their sight, and they freaked out. They, they were like, what's going on? What, 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 you know? The king of Israel asked Elijah, can I kill him? <laughs> That's so funny, you know. He asked, he's like, can I kill him? That, that shows you the mindset, like, you know, who he is, really, Joram. But the king of Israel is like, you know, asked Elijah, can I kill him? Can I kill him? Can I kill him, huh? Can I, can I, can I, can I? And Elijah's like, no, you can't kill him. Let's give them a feast instead, right? <laughs> Which is kind of weird, you know. And after they finished eating and drinking, they went back to their king. He went back to Ben-Hadad, and the Arameans stopped raiding the land of Israel. It's pretty cool. Pretty interesting story, you know. In Black Bart, right, it turns out that he wasn't anything to be afraid of either. He wasn't anything to be afraid of. When the hood came off, there was nothing to fear, really. You see, when the authorities finally tracked him down, they didn't find a bloodthirsty bandit. They found a mild-mannered druggist or pharmacist from, from Illinois. That's who he was. The man, the papers pictured as, you know, as storming the mountains on horseback, you know, was in reality afraid of horses. And he rode to, to his robberies in a buggy, right? His name was Charles E. Bowles, the bandit who never fired a shot because he never loaded his gun. His gun was never loaded. But he wore a hood, and he intimidated, and people feared him because of the stories. Do you have any falsehoods in your, of fear in your life? Stuff that you're afraid of that you really shouldn't be afraid of? 
Do you have any enemy of fear surrounding the city of your life right now? God says, don't be afraid of them. Take off their hoods and see there's nothing to fear. Open your eyes and see the, the horses and chariots of God. We need to open our eyes. Don't be afraid because he is who is with us is greater than he who is with them. God doesn't want us to be afraid. He does not want his children to be afraid. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we just thank you, Lord, for who you are. And Lord, like my brother prayed earlier, Lord, I just pray, Lord, that you would continue, that you would open our eyes so we can see, that we can see, Lord God. See you, Lord, in the midst of our struggles, Lord. See you in the midst of our, our fear, Lord God. Lord, I pray, Lord, that we would turn our eyes towards you, Lord Jesus. Lord, look full in your wonderful face. And when we do that, the things of this world will go strangely dim in the light of your glory, Lord, in your grace. Lord, open our eyes, Lord God, that we may see who fights for us, that we may see that we're not alone, so, Lord, we can look on your face, Lord, turn our eyes, set our affections, Lord, on you, Lord, on things above, Lord God, in the midst of the struggle, in the midst of the storm that we go through. In Jesus' name, amen.